Hello, Husky fans! This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. And we have finally reached the quarterfinals. Yes, our uh, summer-long UConn Greatest Teams Tournament Challenge. We have uh, you know, taken the last two months or so to really dive deep into each of our 16 teams. And uh, Tim, I have to say, I'm really impressed with the quality of our uh, the teams who made it on. Uh, and it really just speaks to the quality of UConn's history in general that like there were a lot of great and deserving teams who didn't end up making the you know making the cut and um yet at the same time i don't feel like we had any obvious snubs either what do you think about how things played out so far through the first couple uh, weeks of this uh, this game yeah i love the way this is shaking out first of all it's been really fun to go through all these teams and to reflect on just how incredibly good uconn basketball has had it for the last like 30 or so years just unbelievable teams everywhere you look and um Really, I think that these are all, like, we truly have the Elite Eight. I think these are definitely the eight best teams that, you know, that we could put through. I, the only really, not it's not a surprise, but the only team I think you could say being a snub that didn't make it based on the matchups was uh, the 2014 National Champions. And, other like, they came up against 1995, which was another incredibly good team, but... This is uh this is a great list of eight. Yeah, for sure. definitely. I think if I were to go through like I, the '94 team got a lot of love. I mean that that '94 and 2006 matchup got a lot of uh that that one got a, a lot of attention. So I mean maybe yeah. that team you could argue, but it, then again, I mean yeah, obviously Danielle Marshall and you know his crew were amazing, but like '95 and '96 was like many of the same players too. So, you know, you know, the mid nineties is, you know, they're getting plenty of respect here. You know, two of those teams advanced and, you know, really all of UConn history is pretty well represented. You know, we've got like, you know, you, you've got your Ray Allen teams, you've got the, the two Rip Hamilton teams in the late nineties, you know, obviously the 2004 team made it. And by the way, I should probably mention up front. Yeah. 2004, big soccer. They advanced, <laughs> they beat, wow. uh, they, they beat number 15 seated, um, you know, 2016. And, uh, admittedly, I, I guess we'll say a closer matchup than I would expect, but like, you know, it was a 77 to 23 spread, but admittedly, this was a matchup. I, I suppose we, Tim and I, we didn't really push this one as hard as some of the others. So fewer votes and, <laughs> You know, maybe I was actually worried at one point. I was like, I probably shouldn't retweet this again, like on Friday, because I was like, because it wouldn't be that hard for some trolls to just be like, yo, it wouldn't, wouldn't take that many of us to like just push 2016 ahead. So, yeah, exactly. You know, grateful that we made it through the first round without, you know, attracting any uh, bad actors to, you know, hijack this thing and make a meme out of 2016 or something like that. <laughs> but, um,. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, regardless, uh, we're gonna pick up the pace going forward now. So, as I explained in my last pod, um, now as as much fun as it would be to just carry this all the way through to like August or September, uh, you know, about to become a dad. So, not really sure how recording a podcast is gonna fit into my newborn schedule uh, in about a month. <laughs> so, um, here's how we're gonna do it. So, to this week, we're doing the quarterfinals. We're gonna do all four of them. So, Tim and I will discuss each of the matchups. We'll have you guys vote on each of the matchups. And then next week, we'll pick it up with the semifinals. And then after that, the finals. And then I guess, I don't know, maybe that'll leave like another week or two for us to, you know, just shoot the, you know, shoot the breeze about UConn before uh, my, you know, schedule gets a little bit uh, tightened up a little, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Tim, I guess before we dive into our first matchup, any other thoughts on the first round or just, you know, are you kind of the state of UConn in general right now? Yeah, I've. 
I first of all, I, again, I love the way this bracket shook out. You know, like you said, we we're covering pretty much every era. The only the only exception being, you know, the dream team not getting through, but they were up against a '96 team that provided a hell of a matchup. Um, and other than that, state of UConn in general, you know, I'm just getting excited. We're getting to the point now. People are buying their season tickets for all the different fall sports for basketball. I've got. You know, at this point, I have three more days to decide whether I'm going to invest in season tickets for basketball again this year. Um, it's, it's exciting. We're getting back to that point where people are going to be back come football season, and it's it's getting to that. It's just it's going to be amazing. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely would have pulled the trigger on season tickets for basketball, but obviously I, I do not expect to be able to make enough of the games to really justify it. So. I'll I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. try to I'll try to make like two or three of the really good ones and you know, you know hook up with UConn Twitter and all those you know all those that rowdy crew when the time is right. Um, but I yeah. believe as we said on Twitter last week, uh, marching up to Gamble from Ted's, walking past the walking past the youths in the student section as we talk about net rankings and all that stuff. Got to teach the kids how it's done. It's been a while, you know. It's been a while since UConn's really been at the top, so. But it's looking next year's looking pretty good, I have to say. That's going to be a fun conversation, but we'll we'll save that for, you know, sometime in early July. So, yeah. why don't we get this started with a, a really great uh, humdinger of a second round matchup. So, we got the number 1 seeded 1999 team, our, you know, the national champions, the you know, the the the, the breakthrough team against the 1995 team led by Ray Allen, one of UConn's greatest offensive teams. And honestly, a team that was like not that far off from going all the way. You know, that team was arguably a top, what, four team in the country that year, maybe top two. I mean, they lost to the national champions, so you could make that case. <laughs> going up against, I mean, you know, that that UConn team was kind of the same thing. The only difference really is they, they got it done. You know, Ray, and it, but... What would happen if these two teams met on the court? Who knows? Tim, what do you think? What do you think about this potential matchup and kind of what might happen if we saw these guys take the court against each other? I think I would pay $2,000 for a nosebleed seat to watch Richard Hamilton go up against Ray Allen. And we're talking like peak Rip Hamilton against, you know, maybe not quite peak Ray Allen, but close enough. Like like he's, he's Ray Allen at this point for real. Yeah. Ray Allen with 21 points and seven rebounds a game. Like, this is just this is a hell of a matchup, and you know you just look at both rosters. You know, at first when I when I first look at it, I'm like, oh well, '99 just like steamrolled its way to a national title, pretty much. And you know, Rip Hamilton, they were just they were such a unbeatable team. But then I'm like, then I'm looking back and forth, and I'm like, that '95 team was amazing too. So like '95 more NBA players, um, obviously Ray Allen the. The fantastic season from Donnie Marshall. You've got Daron Sheffer there, just uh, Kevin Ollie as well, and Travis Knight. Kindly, Travis Knight emerging into that big role of the as a seven footer with nine points and eight rebounds. I mean, this team was really something. Like you said, you know, one or two things go differently. They're a national champion and the the first national champion. So, I this is this is a blockbuster matchup right out of the gate. So, yeah, now I think everyone's inclination will probably be to assume, well, 99 was the national champions and clearly they're better. So let's try to try try to break that down and see if that would really be the case here. So what do you think 95's case is to why they would have an advantage in this particular matchup? 
why 95 would have the advantage. Yeah, let's see. What, what, um, what's, what's their case? Because I, I think they definitely have one, but I just want to hear your, your opinion. I don't think that there are many teams that are going to move the basketball around better than they do. I think they're a team that's going to, you know, that's really good defensively, that's going to get out on the run, and they've got Jerome Sheffer quarterbacking things, and he's just going to move the ball around, you know, left and right. 90, 99 might not be able to keep up with that. And if 95 can get it into a fast-paced game where they're just going up and down the court, and then even if, you know, 99 finds a way to isolate Ray Allen and keep him out of the game, well, you know, Sheffer and Ollie are still moving the ball around, and you've got Travis Knight down low, you've got Donnie Marshall who you have to deal with. That's going to be a rough, that's, that's a rough matchup for 99. Yeah, it's interesting. 95, like that team, they were fast, and they scored a lot. So, I mean, it doesn't take, like, a good defensive effort to shut them down. You, you need to, like, be really good or they're just going to just run on you. And, you know, I think you, you kind of hit on it there. Like, you know, between, you know, Sheffer and Ollie, the two of them combined for almost 12 assists per game. That's that's pretty intense. You don't see that very often, yeah. really, with any team in any era, really. So, you know, that's like, I guess, so we got Ollie and Sheffer would be the, the backcourt. But, I mean, 99, you got Khalid el and Ricky Moore. Uh, and uh, Moore, obviously, is famously just an outstanding, like, totally elite defender. So what do we yeah. what do we think about how those matchups might go? Well, that's the thing. I think that's where 99 can really pull away is they are one of the best defensive teams in the country that season. I mean, they they didn't score as much as, um, as the 95 team did. That's for sure. A few teams did. But... They only they held teams to sixty one point three points per game. Now that's they're not going to hold ninety five to sixty one points, but if they can, if they can knock them down from that eighty six, then you know they can really they can really get themselves the advantage in that matchup. It's interesting, and I mean, like you know, El Amin is as big a game you know a gamer as there is. I mean, that guy he he shows up like <laughs> so you know it's kind of hard to really like just hard to really imagine kind of what a matchup between him and Kevin Ollie would look like just because it's, it's just so different. They're such different players, you know, like they look yeah. totally different. Their <laughs> games are totally different, but like El Amin was like the man for a reason. And then, I mean, Ricky yeah. Moore, I mean, you know, he's, he's, you know, we all know his, his whole deal. I mean, when he, when he wants to shut you down, it doesn't matter who you are. He's, you're not scoring on him. So I'll be interested to see, see kind of what the, the people have to think about that. Um, let's go before we get to the really the, the headliner here. Let's let's kind of move up to the front court. Jake Voskell versus Travis Knight. Uh, these are obviously the two bigs. Um, you know, uh, Travis Knight was the more productive of the two, but Voskell was obviously he didn't really have to be. So what do you what do you make of that? You know, who's who's winning the the matchup of the uh, the two big white centers uh, who led UConn in the mid to late nineties? <laughs> um, man, this is tough. Cause I love Jake Voskell, but. I'm I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Travis Knight on that one. I I just think that you know I think he's got a little more quality. I think that he's a you know he's a more imposing presence down low, and I think he was more versatile. So I just I think that he's gonna have the edge. Yeah. Well, the production would certainly suggest that. I mean, he averaged yeah. a, a lot more rebounds and a lot more points in these particular seasons. Um, you know, it's worth mentioning both both guys. They both got a cup of coffee in the NBA too. So I mean, in terms of just their like athleticism and talent, I mean, as a size matchup, they're pretty comparable too. So that's an interesting one. I do, but I do think Travis would probably have the advantage. I I wonder how this would go like elsewhere though. You got on one hand Kevin Freeman and Donnie Marshall would be the kind of the other matchup in the four. 
and that's a fascinating one too because like you know they're both the seven they're both six seven so comparable size yeah. And they're both, like, obviously among, like, UConn's best players, like, just ever. Like, they're fantastic. Like, both of them, you know, great scores. They both rebounded a lot. What do we make of this one? Kevin Freeman versus Donnie Marshall. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is this is another reason why I would pay 2000 for a nosebleed is this matchup here. Um, I think this one's almost a push. I think, you know, between Freeman being the better rebounder, at least on paper, and Marshall being the better scorer, I think that they're both gonna, you know, they're both gonna put up numbers that are gonna be important in this matchup. And um, man, I just I can't pick either way. I think that they would both put up. I think they both have really good games. But going up against each other, they'd both leave with a bunch of bruises. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's so it's fascinating to imagine. And I mean, I mean, now obviously we got to talk about the big one: Rip Hamilton versus Ray Allen. They're guarding each other. They're you know they're the man. They're, I mean, it's not a stretch to say that these guys are, you, you could probably make the case these are the two best like players that end, that UConn has ever produced for the men's team. I mean, Ray Allen's yeah. in the Hall of Fame, and Rip Hamilton had a really, really good pro career with the Pistons. I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think his number is retired too, isn't it? So, I believe it is. I think it is, yeah. I mean, he. it's it's so weird to think about those 2004, like, 5, 6 Pistons teams because, like, it, most championship teams were usually led by, like, one guy, like, just one superstar. But the Pistons, yeah. like, it's a, if you ask, like, who the best player on those teams were, I feel like you'd get different answers depending on who you asked. Like, I personally, I, I always kind of thought it was Billups, but you could make a real good case that it was Rip Hamilton and... Uh, I mean, he let you know he he was a huge part of winning an NBA championship. So, I mean, how many other UConn guys can say that? I mean, truthfully, there aren't that many really, like other guys like at that level. So, and that's here here they here they are in college and they're at the top of their game. Like, what do we what do we do with this one? (laughs) I don't know. I just I want to say quickly, like I wasn't I'm not a big NBA fan. I haven't really followed it. I'll like I'll follow the Celtics a bit. I loved those Pistons teams for me. I don't, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed a starting five more than that. I mean, like you said, you could pick anyone on those teams. You know, you, you said Billups, the name that came to mind for me was Ben Wallace. Then you had Tayshawn Prince. You had Rasheed Wallace. You had rip. I mean, that team was so freaking good for so long. They were just unbelievable to watch. Um, I don't know which way I'm going in, um, in Hamilton versus Allen. I, Man, it, it's hard, but I think, you know, if if you had to make me choose, I might say Ray Allen barely. I just, you know, I, they're both elite scorers. They're both going to, they, they can both score in different, like in every way imaginable. Um, they're both going to be aggressive defensively. I just, you know, I I think when it comes down to it, <laughs> I, I I want either of them with the ball in their hands in the final ten seconds of a game, but I think just because of you know just because of everything involved, you know, looking overall at their at their careers and just looking at the players that they were back in these days, I would I would say Ray Allen barely. I think it's crazy that this is a quarterfinal matchup. I mean, what does that say about <sighs> UConn's history? Like we we're like laying it all out. And it's like, Oh my God, like these teams are like legitimately amazing. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, you, your, your natural instinct is probably to say, Oh, 99 would definitely win. But I honestly, I'm not sure. And that's like, that's like the fun thing. Like 
Oh yeah. man, I, I don't know. So um, we don't need to make a pick, right? Like I think we we can just solidly say like we, we should just let let's not like you know uh, what is it called influence the jury or whatever. I, I really want to yeah. see see what the people have to say because like ninety nine was amazing, ninety five was pretty damn good too. I think just less they're just less heralded. Like people don't know as much about them, but like. Right. I, I hope people who like listen to this like appreciate it's like oh no like this is not like a this is not 99 versus 2021 as as, as much as I like to you know kind of cause some mischief with that that particular matchup this is these these teams are truly elite so yeah now here's one I am interested in he- seeing what the people have to say for almost the opposite reason so our next quarterfinal matchup is a uh, well it involves very literally the same team in one case 9098. So Rip Hamilton and this virtually this entire same crew, except one year earlier, spoilers, they were pretty good that year too, versus the 2011 championship team. What do you make of this one? <laughs> um, I don't like, the, I think it's just amazing when we're talking about these elite UConn teams where we half of the, or, you know, four, four UConn teams have won the national title. And the three that are in the... First of all, not all four of them made it to the final eight. And these first two that we're talking about, I'm not entirely convinced they win these matchups. I just think, you know, 2011 was amazing. That that whole story, the way Kemba just took over. But this 98 team, man, obviously the, the precursor to a national title and just an outstanding team. Just, you know, top to bottom talent. You know, just like pretty much the same team we were just talking about just a year younger and man i i you know i know we're not making picks but it's hard to not say 98 has the advantage here it's funny because like you look at their production it's not that far off from the next year at least in terms of like the you know the scoring averages for each player they are all they're all playing more or less the same role you know their their offense and defensive like team stats for the season are not they're pretty comparable like they they averaged about the same amount of points and the same amount of points allowed you give or take a couple points in each direction or whatever so it's just like you know in 98's case it was like they they made to the elite eight and they lost to a really good north carolina team along the way they won one of the most epic yukon games ever that you know awesome game against washington in the sweet 16 and then you know whatever it didn't work out and then they they brought everyone back and what a surprise they were really good again (laughs) It's funny how that works out. 2011 is fascinating though because like they're better than people like give them credit. Like yeah. so I obviously I I this is a team I hold near and dear to my heart obviously. I cover this entire season for the Daily Campus and I you know got to know all these guys and you know watch them as close as anybody. And you know people like think like oh well it was Kemba and a bunch of guys but like the 90 excuse me the 2011 team was way more talented than people gave it credit. So 98 and 2011 have the same number of guys play in the NBA for starters. Um, they had 99, uh, 2011 had six guys in the top 100 of the, uh, that were recruiting class. Um, it doesn't look like the college reference for basketball or college basketball reference. It doesn't look like they have it for 98, but whatever. I'm sure I'm just saying like 90, like 2011 had tons of talent and, I'm yeah. not doing. I'm doing a terrible job articulating that right now. If you're looking for the, if you're looking for the closest comp when it comes to stuff like that, '98 had three parade All Americans with Ricky Moore, Rip Hamilton, and El Amin. 2011 had two with Kemba and Oriaki. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. There we go. So perfect. Yeah. And I mean, just like you know, Jeremy Lamb, not a scrub, 
still playing in the NBA to this day. So, you know, he was pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like, you know, so for start, like we need to start with that. Shabazz Napier, yeah. one of the best players in, in UConn history, period. I mean, he's yeah. one, he's one of the top scorers. He won two national championships and was like the man on one of, you know, on the second one, you know, in 2000, you know, his ju- basically from his junior year on, he was legitimately one of the best players in the country. And, you know, obviously it took a little bit of time for people to figure that out, but I mean, he was, he was a, even as a freshman, he was awesome. Like a total baller right out of the gate. And even some of the, the, uh, you know, the, the role players like Roscoe Smith, pretty talented, great defensive player, you know, great body, great athleticism, good rebounder. He could hold up against, you know, some of these other, you know, big guys, you know, Oriaki, he was, a like you said, a parade all American. He was for, you know, for his role on this team this year, he was really good. He, he averaged almost a double, double per game. You know, and then, you know, kind of go down the list. You've got your, you know, Jamal Coombs McDaniels, your Neil Skafais, Tyler Olander, you know, obviously not not guys who you would necessarily expect to like hang with the the 98 guys. But, you know, they're 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 going to be able to give you something. So like that team, yeah. like it was Kemba Walker, elite, elite, elite talent at the top. And then you've got some other really strong players kind of rounding up your lineup. And then everybody else is like pretty good. And, you know, obviously 98 is kind of like that too, but I don't know. I'm just fascinated in seeing how this would go because obviously the big question is, can 98 stop Kemba Walker? And obviously they have a guy named Ricky Moore, so maybe, but nobody could stop him. Nobody could stop Kemba in 2011 and he ran into some pretty good defensive guards. So how do we, how do we, what do we make of that potential, you know, 98 solution to Kemba? Uh, well, for, I just want to say, you know, we, like you said, we do need to give credit to 2011 for sure. I mean, obviously the team won a national title, but, you know, something that, like, I think goes, like, forgotten quite a bit is, you know, obviously Kemba wasn't doing everything on the floor, and this is a team that had to, I, I can't remember all the names of guys on, like, Kentucky and Michigan State from back then, but I do remember very specifically a guy named Kawhi Leonard who needed to be shut down in the Sweet 16, and this team was capable of that and it wasn't just Kemba shutting him down so um that's that's something that I just felt like I needed to say um I don't know how you shut down junior year Kemba if you're the if you're the 98 team um obviously you're gonna have someone like Ricky Moore on him and that's gonna be very difficult because you know we've talked about Ricky being an elite defender but you know teams tried to double team triple team Kemba they tried to you know get him into traps they tried to do everything possible to get him out of the game and he found every possible way to make that completely irrelevant um i you know i i think kemba is you know he's gonna do what he did all 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 year in 2011 just take over a game he's not gonna be shut down and you know try as they might you know 98's gonna have a hard time with that yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Kawhi Leonard point because that, that, by the way, that's a college game that I feel like doesn't get nearly enough like, like recognition. Like that happened in 2011. Kawhi Leonard and Kemba Walker played in the NCAA tournament, and it was great. Like that was a huge deal. It didn't feel like it was like like watching history unfolding, but like if you're talking about like I don't know, like the the ten best you know basketball players who are born in. I don't know, whatever, 1990, 1991 or whatever year, because, you know, Kawhi and Kemba are obviously about the same age and, you know, kind of of that same era. You know, those two are like in the top 10 easily, maybe even the top five. And they played each other in an NCAA tournament game. That doesn't happen very often. (laughs) No, it was amazing. And and, Um, and sorry, just to to jump in real quick again, the 
and they shut him down or at the very least they 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 beat him they they kept Kawhi from beating them I, yeah exactly how are you want to phrase really it. Good way of putting it and Kawhi is better than Rip Hamilton I mean you know Kawhi is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame he's he's led two different teams to NBA championships and he's just been absolutely unbelievable his whole career especially like defensively you know offensive whatever you want he he's amazing and yeah. they figured him out Rip is a guy with a similar skill set, a similar body. You know, obviously, you know, is a, a tremendous player. So, like, we know that 2011 is capable of shutting down a player like him. But do you think they could? Like, if they, if they, I, I don't know. If this is an unanswerable question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What, what do you do? You think they could do do what they did to Kawhi to Rip? Uh, here's what I'll say. I think in a matchup between '98 and 2011. I think you just have to assume that Rip Hamilton and Kemba Walker are both going to do their thing, and then it's a matter of, well, what does the rest of the cast do? And, you know, who who has that extra edge beyond those two guys? Because I think that's really where the game gets won, because, you know, for both these teams, you know, yeah, I just talked about 2011 shutting down guys like Kawhi Leonard. They were, they were fantastic, but, you know, Hamilton... Hamilton's going to take a game over. Kemba's going to take a game over. And so I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, it's not necessarily one star has a big game and the other is kept quiet. I think it's, you know, two stars just, you know, doing everything they can to put their teams ahead. And then it's what does the rest of the team do? Yeah, I think really 2011, as we all, as we know, was pretty much like they, they went as far as their guards would take them. So they, you yeah. know, they had a, they were at a disadvantage in the front court against almost anybody, everybody they played. But at the same time, their front court was like sneaky good enough that it, like they were actually able to hang like, you know, um, Alex Oriaki versus Jake Voskel. I mean, Voskel probably has the edge, but maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's probably a closer matchup than people would really think like, you know, at first glance. And by the way, yeah. this is also both of them are sophomores. So like, you know, we're not quite talking about like championship caliber of Jake Voskel yet. Like he's, he's not quite a finished product either. Whereas Oriaki was definitely farther along in his development. Yeah. It's funny. when you look at the roster, these two teams aren't really that far off in terms of experience. I mean, you had one junior, pretty much one junior main contributor on each team, but everyone else was, freshmen and sophomores, probably more freshmen than sophomores in 11 and more sophomores than freshmen in 98. But yeah, I, um, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And then and obviously in the backcourt then like, so if Kemba's going to do his thing, we can assume that Ricky Moore is probably going to be guarding him and Ricky, you know, not really going to be much of a factor offensively, but he, if he, if he keeps Kemba to like 20 points, then he's, he's doing his job. So Khaled versus Shabazz, they're both freshmen. They're both obviously the, the two of the swaggiest, most confident players in UConn history. What do we make of this one? Because that's like their their scoring and their production overall is probably going to tip the balance in this game. Because I think we can presume that uh, you know Jeremy Lamb is going to get his points. Kevin Freeman will probably get his points, and I guess we'll just sort of you know everything else. Roscoe, you know, he'll probably do some Roscoe things. Hopefully, you know, to the benefit of the team, and you know, it'll all kind of kind of play out that way. But Khalid versus uh, Shabazz feels like that could be the difference maker. How do we feel about that that one? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd pay good money to see that too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a hell of a matchup between two of my all-time favorites. Obviously, Khalid Elamine is my favorite UConn player of all time, and Shabazz is right up there. Um, once I step away from the fact that I covered Shabazz for two seasons of his career, but that's a or one season, I guess. That's a different thing. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think Elamine as a freshman had more of a propensity to take over a game. Obviously, that's something that Shabazz became legendary for at, at UConn, but, you know, playing behind Kemba and obviously Jeremy Lamb had more of a productive freshman year than, uh, than Shabazz, I'd say, just, you know, circumstantial, but... Um, just in that specific matchup, I think Elamine is more likely to take over and have a bigger influence on the game. I think they're both gonna they're both gonna be very tough players in this matchup. But just Elamine scoring, I think he was the second leading scorer on that team, and by quite a margin, I think he's gonna be you know I, he's gonna have the edge over Shabazz in this matchup. At least freshman Shabazz, you're probably right. But yeah. even still, I wouldn't necessarily put it past Shabazz. And it's probably worth mentioning too. Shabazz is a, is taller than people realize. Like he's listed at like six one. You know, I, I always think of him as being like quite a bit shorter than that. Whereas like yeah. uh, Khaled is five <laughs> ten. He's like <laughs> he's a, he's a little, generously five ten. Pretty pretty little guy, but like well little like height wise, but like. You know, he, great, Khaled, we love you. Come back on the show sometime. Yes. <laughs> he was, yeah, but I mean, obviously he played so much bigger than that. So, you know, yeah. So this is an interesting one too. I, I, cause like on one hand, 2011 has the championship and people love that team. 98 is, well, the precursor to the 99 team. And, you know, they have Rip Hamilton and they're, I mean, probably I would say most people consider them to be the more talented team. So I don't know. What do you think? The pe- I guess, like, what do you think the people will say? Like, do we? I, I this could be a fifty-fifty one, honestly. Do you think? Like, we haven't had yeah. that many close matchups. I, I really do think this one could be a really tight one. Yeah, I I know we're not here to to pick one, but I would not be surprised if the national champion goes out in this round. It could happen. It'd be also yeah. be it'd also be interesting because that would raise the possibility we could see ninety-nine versus ninety-eight in the semifinals, which would be like. That'd be hilarious, but, but <laughs> it was like doing the brackets of like, all right, like how do we do this to like, you know, kind of avoid like stupid matchups like that? I was like, well, it's kind of impossible because sooner or later somebody's gonna face somebody else, and it's like, all right, well, at the very yeah. least, if we end up, if it ends up happening with ninety nine and ninety eight, at least they'll both deserve to to be there. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, and then pretty much if uh, whichever team goes through in that situation, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Just minus a national title if it's ninety eight, but yeah, that de- would be weird. Definitely. Uh, well, uh, whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, so this is one that I think you and I were looking forward to quite a bit. Yes. So yes, we yes. got ourselves number three seeded two thousand nine versus number six seeded two thousand six. Two of the biggest, burliest, most athletic, and just generally intimidating UConn teams of all time. They are of the same era. They actually include some of the same players. And they, they're probably at the top of the list of the teams where it's like, if you met this team on the court, like who, like who, w- would you be more or less likely to crap your pants? And in this case, these, these are like the two pants crappiest teams like you'd ever see. They, they are just amazingly talented and amazingly tough. And the, potentially an amazingly great match. What do you make of this one here uh, with uh, 2006 and 2009? Oh my gosh! I, these are here are you know championships five and six that should have happened. Not just like could have, not you know what could have been like these should have been national championship teams. Um, you know circumstances overcame '09 that you know I still remain convinced I'm on that hill ready to die. That Jerome Dyson not being hurt would have meant a national championship, and 
2006, just that NCAA tournament was horrendous, and the George Mason game is one of the worst things I've ever experienced. Um, these two teams are loaded. Just unbelievably loaded. These these are, I think, you know, pound for pound, these might be the two best rosters in this in this tournament. I, I, I know we've talked about 99, 96, all these other teams, but, you know, Pound for pound, I think right here you've got the most heavyweight matchup in in this entire thing. Even when, once we get to the final. Well, when you say heavyweight, I mean you're you're not using that just figuratively. I mean there are some no. ho- there are some horses in this this matchup. Um, so just kind of to give people a sense, both of these teams have five NBA players. Um, both of these teams are just utterly gigantic. So the front oh, well because we love the front court discussions here. Two thousand six. You guys got Josh Boone, who is 6'10", 237. Honestly, smaller than I thought. Like, he, he seems bigger than that, but, like, yeah. work with me here. Uh, Hilton Armstrong, 6'11", 235. Uh, you've got Denim Brown, who's actually, like, he's 6'6", but 220, so he's, like, a big, like, you know, big, strong guy. And then Rudy Gay, you know, he's 6'9", 220, and obviously we all know Rudy Gay. Like, that guy is, like, athletically, just athletically like, on another planet. Just an absolute monster. And, you know, oh, by the way, there's a couple of other role players on this team, including uh, you've got your Ed Nelson, who's 6'8", 260, pretty big, and uh, a guy named Jeff Adrian, a young freshman from Brookline, Mass., who is 6'7", and 243. Perhaps you've heard of him. Well, um, I'll hear more about him in a second, because uh, <laughs> Jeff Adrian, as a senior, also on the 2009 team, still 6'7", still 243, and he's still just an absolute monster. By his senior year, he is like one of the most intimidating players UConn's ever had. Uh, you look elsewhere in the front court, and, uh, you know, you don't quite have as many like the big horses like, you know, 2006 does, but you do have one guy named Hashim Thabit, uh, you know, the seven foot three, 263-pound, just, you know, second overall pick in the draft for better or for worse, just that guy. You know, <laughs> it's an absolute ma- okay. matchup nightmare for anybody. He, pl- he would like literally anybody in UConn history. I mean, that guy is the biggest and the, the, the toughest guy you would ever see in terms of just like, you know, front court matchups. So, um, you know, and then you even, you know, down the road, you know, Gavin Edwards coming off the bench, 6'9", 234, you know, pretty big. Stanley Robinson, 6'9", 210, kind of like a, you know, athlete. Probably, I mean, frankly, you know, he versus uh, Rudy Gay in terms of athletes. I mean, you're not going to find much of a better, like, matchup between straight-up athletes than that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I haven't even mentioned, like, you know, some of 09's best players. You know, you've got A.J. Price, your point guard. you got freshman year Kemba Walker. You know, maybe not quite, you know, junior Kemba, but still pretty good. Jerome Dyson, junior, uh, you know, scored a hell of a lot of points. And, you know, if they had him healthy, probably wins the national title. I, I don't know. Am I forgetting anybody? There's a lot of there's a lot of guys here, you know. <laughs> Craig Ostry stepped up when uh, when Dyson got hurt. Yeah, Craig. O- him and Kemba both had to. Yeah, the, but the, the, I think that's the other guy. The the Craig Ostry versus Craig Ostry and matchup in this the underrated uh, matchup oh, yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> also, feel compelled to mention by the way, Marcus Williams and Rashad Anderson both on 2006, and they're both crazy good here too. Um, you know, yeah. both average uh, about over 12 points a game. Both, uh, you know, uh, Mar- Marcus averaged eight eight rebounds. Um, it was good. These teams are pretty good. So, um, yeah. man, where else? Where, where do we even start? I mean, the, these two teams are stylistically similar too. But I guess we do just need to start with 06 versus 2009, where, like, they got like in terms of quantity, they got more size. But do do they have enough to handle the beat? 
that's he's like a game breaking force. What do we how do we feel about that particular dynamic at play here? Uh, that's a really good question. I think I think to beat becomes a huge X factor in this matchup. You know, for as good as Helen Armstrong and Josh Boone were, I mean, they're still at their you know, just from a height perspective, they're four inches shorter than them. And I mean we saw the way Tabit used to just use his size to bully people. I mean, he didn't have to jump for, you know, for a ball that, you know, could get tossed up to him. You know, if, um, I mean, he he just imposed his will on everybody, and there was there was almost no stopping him. So I really don't know if if Armstrong and Boone can combine to to limit what he brought to the floor, and then. You know, that's just on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, obviously, you know, we're talking about two teams that were obviously shot-blocking monsters, but, you know, to beat was just smacking the ball around like it was nobody's business. You know, 4.2 blocks per game. It was it was obscene, and he's going to get he's gonna get at least 10 rebounds too. So he's just going to dominate you on both ends of the floor, and if to beat can single-handedly take out the, you know, take out the two bigs for – for 06 then you've got a huge advantage for 09 i think boone and armstrong are in trouble in this one because they they like made their money by just being huge and dominant but they did not have to deal with a situation very often where they were not not like a little bit smaller but like totally physically outclassed that never happened to them like really like there's not very many human beings alive who are actually big enough and athletic enough to like kind of just do that to them but the beats one of them so yeah. it's an interesting it's yeah sorry it was an interesting dy- dynamic so i don't know what do you, what do you no, think i was just gonna point out that um you know when we talk about athleticism too you know to beat he's one of those you know he's one of those guys who you know he was 73 263 after a massive growth spurt as a teenager and you know he, he there were times he looked lanky and you know not not necessarily comfortable in his body but he was tall and athletic and he grew up you know he grew up playing soccer he grew up playing a very athletic sport um you know running around and all that stuff and so he he had good footwork he was you know he was able to use that athleticism to his advantage and that just made him even more dominant yeah absolutely so backcourt now uh marcus williams is obviously going to be really they're going to need him to be huge in this matchup because like between distributing just scoring you know whatever he can give them in that respect it's going to be big. Uh, AJ Price and Kemba and Jerome Dyson. I have admittedly, I don't necessarily consider any of those guys to be like super great defensive players. Although I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. They, maybe they were better than I remember, but do we, th- how do we feel about the, that particular dynamic where Mark, if Marcus Williams gets going, like does the, does the Oh nine backcourt, are they slowing them down or are they just keeping up and just scoring like crazy? How do we, what do we think there? I think they're just keeping up. I think when it comes to the, you know, we just talked about advantage 09 in the front court, but I think the back court it's advantage 06. Um, you know, like like you said, if Marcus Williams gets going, he's going to be very hard to stop. Rashad Anderson is, you know, such an amazing clutch shooter at this point in his UConn career. Um, you're going to have a really hard time stopping those guys, and um, you know, it just you're you're just trying to slow them down as best you can so that to beat can you know clean up the rest of the mess for you yeah and then you know i think obviously 2006's x factor is obviously rudy gay this feels like yeah. a matchup that he this, this a, a team he really needs to like be great for 06 to beat 
And, you know, as great as the beat is, like, Rudy Gay is the kind of player who could potentially be a big problem for him. And, you know, for that matter, for anybody, like, you know, he has a size advantage over, you know, Jeff Adrian, you know, and Adrian is obviously going to probably be doing most of his work on whichever of Boone or Armstrong the beat's not dealing with. But, like, you know, that's the trouble. That <laughs> Gay, is, Gay is great. Like, legitimately, like, almost unstoppable when he wants to be. And if in a matchup like this, I think he'd want to be. So Stanley Robinson would probably be like the best bet, but Stanley, you know, admit much as we love him, admittedly not the most reliable guy on a game to game basis. So for Oh nine, really the game is, can they, can they slow Rudy Gay down? How do you think they do that? Um, you just, I think this is another situation where Tabit's going to come into play big time because obviously, you know, Rudy Gay is getting to the rim and he's going to, you know, he was imposing himself at the rim a lot and, you know, that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be another situation where you need to beat to, you know, to take over again and impose as well there again. Um, you know, I like you said, I think Stanley Robinson is good. Can have a, you know, can have a good game. And obviously, you've got Jeff Adrian also with his size. But I don't know if either of them is able to slow down Rudy Gay. I think he was just, you know, too talented and too athletic for either of them to keep up with. Not, not that they're bad. Not that they're not capable. But you know. He's Rudy Gay. Yeah, so that that's really what makes this one really fascinating because obviously these two teams, they're they're like their accomplishments kind of speak for themselves. So they, they match up against each other very interestingly. I, I'm yeah. very interested in seeing what the people have to say. Um, so, and then I guess that leaves us with. Uh, I guess it just leaves us with one, right? I think we got a uh, yeah. 96 versus 2004. So 2004, obviously the uh, second national championship team. 96 was Ray Allen's junior year when they were, I mean, God, they were so good. I mean, when we did our podcast a couple of weeks ago about about them, I was like, man, this team is so much better than I remember. They had the iconic yeah. Big East championship game against Georgetown that Ray Allen won, in, you know, late. They had, I mean, admittedly, they, they I don't know what the hell happened to them in the NCAA tournament. But other than that, they, they were pretty much just like a buzzsaw that just killed everybody all season. What on earth do we make of this? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is another, you know, 96 is another of those teams that, man, they really could have won the national title. Not necessarily should have, but, I mean, they went 32-3, and three, and like you said, they were a buzzsaw and just inexplicably lost to Mississippi State in the, in the Sweet 16. Um, pretty much... The same team we talked about too a little while ago with ninety five. The only difference is no Donnie Marshall. Um, so this is this is incredibly interesting this matchup. But obviously you've got the the Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor sized elephants in the room, and obviously you know you you just look at the the O four roster behind them. You know Rashad Anderson and Denna Brown, who we just talked about, both as sophomores. You've got Charlie Villanueva, Talik Brown. Boone is a freshman. Hilton Armstrong is a sophomore. Marcus Williams is a freshman. I mean, just the roster all the way down is ridiculous. Yeah, in terms of talent, I, I mean, as much as we were just, you know, hyping up 06 and 09, 2004, I think, really was the most talented team UConn's ever had. Like, you have yeah. six NBA guys on this team. And, like, you know, most of them are, like, you know, the, some of them are pretty, like, really good ones, too. Like, like Okafor, Villanueva, and Ben Gordon, they were all pretty good NBA players. Maybe not, like, as great as maybe we thought they might be. But, like, those guys were all legit. You know, and obviously, you know, Boone, Armstrong, and Williams, you know, they they're, they were less successful. But, I mean, they were still good enough to get there. 
Um, yeah. Whereas 96, obviously, they had two NBA players, but, you know, one of those players, Ray Allen, is in the in Basketball Hall of Fame. So, you yeah, know, he, was okay. he counts for uh, he counts for like, I don't know, four or five NBA players by himself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just like, man, I, I, just, I, I don't even really know where to start. I guess we should probably just start with uh, the big one. I mean, Ray Allen, uh, obviously, if 96 is going to win this game, Ray Allen has to be great. So what does Ray Allen have to do and how does 2004 stop him? Do you, what do you, what do you think? Um, <laughs> Ray Allen just has to be Ray Allen. I mean, it, by, you know, by 96, we're talking about an incredibly versatile player, a guy who has become an incredible three point shooter that, you know, obviously goes on to be a historic three point shooter, but he was still getting to the rim. He was still driving and, you know, doing the unbelievable things that made him a star early in his college days. And of course, chief, like chief example of him getting to, you know, getting into the lane and putting up a shot that 96 shot over Allen Iverson, uh, in the, in the Big East championship game. I mean, he's going to be very hard to slow down. So you just have to, you have to contain him as best you can, which is going to be, don't let him, don't let him get a three. Don't let him get off those threes, you know, try to force him into the lane where he has to, run up against, you know, bigger guys, you know, if, you know, if Ben Gordon's guarding him, but then he gets into the lane, you know, is, you know, Charlie Villanueva or Mecca Okafor there to stop him or one of the wings, someone like Denham Brown, someone like that to try and get in there and disrupt his shot. Yeah. So defensively, I think like the guards, none of the guards there are the, the, the small forwards who 2004 have not, none of those guys are stopping Ray Allen. But Emeka Okafor might. So that's the interesting thing. Like, after Ray just destroys whoever it is who's trying to guard him, Emeka's going to meet him at the rim. He's one of the few guys you actually do look at and say, okay, that guy actually could possibly cause Ray yeah. some problems, at least in the slashing game. I mean, yeah. if Ray decides to just start shooting the ball, then obviously that's that's another story. But, you know, Emeka has two, uh, two interesting dynamics here. On one hand... He's just going to totally destroy Travis Knight in this matchup. No disrespect to <laughs> Travis Knight, but I, I don't think there's any ambiguity here. Emeka's winning that, and it's and it's not close. And then, yeah, he, he has the opportunity possibly to play a big role on Ray, too. So, you know, Emeka, you know, obviously was the you know, the best player in the country his his um, junior year. Do we do we think he has it in him? Can he can he like kind of play both of those roles I just explained and kind of really just destroy, frankly, just to just take 96 out. I mean, that would, that would pretty much do the trick, right? Yeah. I think that would be right up to Mecca Okafor's alley. I mean, that's just how freaking good he was. Um, I mean, and this team just, they did everything so well. Like when you just, when you look at the numbers of this team overall, they were the best, obviously big surprise. It's UConn in the mid two thousands, best shot blocking team in the country, best rebounding team in the country also best on the defensive rebounds. Um, they moved the ball around well. They were 10th in assists. They were 5th in 3-point percentage. They were, you know, I mean, they were one of the best shooting teams in the country. They were one of the best at, you know, at, def- at you know, limiting the amount of shots that the, that the opponents made. They were 1st in defensive field goal percentage. I mean, this team could do literally everything, and Emeka Okafor was a big reason for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's it does feel like his greatness has become underrated and maybe it's just because he wasn't like as great in the pros as we hoped he'd be but like 
the dude was like amazing. And yet when we talk about like, you know, who are the most, you know, the greatest players in UConn history, it kind of feels like he's left off more often than he should be. Or like, he's not like as high up as he should be in everyone's rankings. I wonder why that is. But like, I think people need to just appreciate just how great he was. Like he was like the man for sure. Yeah. If I'd love to hear from those people, because I just have no idea how you leave a Mecca for off that list. Like if you're, you know, I think I've used this phrase before, and I hate it, but that Mount Rushmore of UConn players, like he's he's right up there. He, like so so unbelievably good for three years. He just dominated. He has and, to be on that. He has to be on the Mount yeah. Rushmore. It's cra- it would be crazy for him not to be. He was the best yeah. player in the country, and they won a national championship. And like by exactly. the way, <laughs> the last few minutes against that of uh, that game against Duke in the semifinals. Um, what more do you want than that? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Ray Allen, Kemba, and man, I don't, I mean, that's, that's just the interesting thing. Like, you know, who else do you put on the list? There's a yeah. lot of deserving candidates, but you know, Emeka, great, really, you know, great player, <laughs> really good player. Our next series here on Yes, UConn. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to that maybe next summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, before baby number two comes, oh, gosh. Tim, Tim, I swear to God. <laughs> My bad. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as we quickly pivot before I have a panic attack, um, Ben Gordon, <laughs> also a pretty good player. Uh, you know, Talik Brown, Ben Gordon are really, you know, kind of the, you know, that's your backcourt most for the most part with the 04 team. Um, you know, 2000, excuse me, 96, you know, senior year, Duran Sheffer, pretty good. <laughs> he's averaging 16 a game, 6.1 assists, c- contributing a lot of rebounds. So like he he's a big player in this matchup. And then, you know, you know, I guess what would you say? I guess like Ricky Moore, Rashamel Jones, uh that I guess kind of some combination of those guys. I, I, it's a little weird because I guess Ray Allen could be the two in this matchup too because you also have, you know, you know, Kirk King and Travis Knight, Rudy Johnson probably a little bit. So like 96 is a bit amorphous. So you could probably roll out three guards or three forwards depending on the matchup. But um, right. to the best, I guess to the best we can kind of kind of play this out. Uh, 96 is going to need to find an answer for uh, for Ben Gordon. So who who do you think that is? Uh, <laughs> I don't think they have one. Uh, or I mean, I maybe Gordon- maybe is it Ray Allen? Like, does he ha- is that his is that his job to try to guard Ben Gordon? It might be. I, I think it's him because I think you're gonna want you're gonna want Sheffer on Talik Brown. So I think yeah, I think Ray Allen might be the best option. He's a very solid defensive player. I just think you know Ben Gordon. You know we talk about how good a Mecca Okafor was in 04. Ben Gordon was freaking amazing too. Um, leading scorer on that team. He, he was he was a great distributor. I mean you know you look at Talik Brown at six point five assists per game, which was wild. But for your top scorer to have four point five assists, I mean if he got if he got into trouble or if he needed to move the ball, he he could get he could get out of that pickle that Ray Allen might present. Um, and he obviously had a plethora of options that were very good when he had to move the ball around. So even if he's not scoring eighteen points, you know he's moving around and the points are being made up when uh, when you're trying to take him out of the game. No, absolutely. It's this is an interesting one. I I do feel like two thousand four on paper is p- probably the better team. But like 96's results speak for themselves. Like other than one bad game, they were just they were incredible. And I, I yeah. we really like, you know, as much as we just talked up Mecca just now, I mean, it needs to just be said. Like we're talking about like peak Ray Allen. Like this is like one of the best basketball players ever, period. 
So, yeah. you know, he's the kind of guy who can cause, you know, some interesting things to happen in a matchup where otherwise it might seem, well, I don't know. You, you know, you know what I'm getting at. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's the fun thing. Like all four of these matchups we've talked about, like, you know, on paper, I mean, 06, 09 might be a little bit of an exception here, but we just talked about with these matchups on paper, there's a team that looks like it would be the clear favorite, but the other the the other team like they speak for themselves with everything they did and what those players did. I mean, these matchups are all incredible. Yeah, and the funny thing is like what you just said about like the team that's a clear favorite. We also have a national championship in three of these matchups, and it's not always necessarily the championship team that we're talking about when we say that they may be the favorite that they may not be. Exactly, it's legitimately unclear. <laughs> like. You know, you, guys, you have some just some decisions to make. I mean, we, Ray Allen is involved in two of these. You've got Pete Kameka Okafor. We've got Pete Kemba. We've got Rip Hamilton. And we've got whatever the hell's going on in 2006 and 2009. I mean, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot going on. So, I mean, we can keep going. But, man, I mean, this is it. Like, I have, like, an idea of how this might go, but it could be completely wrong. I'm interested in seeing what you guys have to say. So, Tim, before we wrap this up, do you have any other thoughts in the – we're kind of looking ahead to the semifinals. Um, I, I don't know if we can look ahead to the semifinals at this point because I think we, uh, you know, I've I've got my picks, and I, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be against the grain, which is going to be really interesting to see. I think these matchups are going to pose a lot of great questions to to UConn Twitter, and you know, I've really like they really could go any way. These the first round matchups were all, you know in the sixties or seventies, some in the, some in the eighties and nineties, but we're going to be looking at some fifties and forties here. I mean, this is going to be super tight. I think. I hope so. I'll tell you this. I would pay a lot of money to go to Madison square garden to watch this quadruple header. Like yes. I'll be there for both sessions. Give me, you know, I'll, I'll watch, you know, rip and raid battle at noon. You know, I'll stick around to see Kemba. I'll stick around to watch the, you know, the monsters play the monsters around dinner time and then you got a mecca versus peak ray again at you know at the nightcap for the the nine o'clock tip i don't i can't imagine a better day of basketball than that can you no this is ridiculous yeah i mean i couldn't afford to to go to that i so i'd love if this like hypothetical yukon situation could hook me up with a credential but yeah the top dollar it would be like when in 2014 when they played the the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 at Madison Square Garden and you couldn't get in for less than like 900 bucks, that that would feel tame. Yeah, sounds about right. So, um, yeah, well, we will leave it there and we will leave it to you, the listeners, to decide who will advance. You guys got some decisions to make for sure. So I will have all four of these polls posted in the morning. Um, so we're recording this obviously on Monday. So when you guys hear this, those polls should be posted by noon, if not sooner. Obviously, you'll try to get them up at a reasonable time. Voting will be open through Friday. I'll have all four of them uh, in a thread so you can just bang them all out at once. And um, guys, we need we. I want to see some debates. I want I want I want this to hurt. Like. It, this is we we should I, this is gonna be fun I, I let's let's have some real fun with this and hopefully next week we'll have some uh two more great semifinal matchups to discuss before we uh eventually try to crown our champion and i i suspect that 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 championship match whoever advances is gonna be uh that's gonna be a big one so um tim thanks again as always and uh yeah you guys all be good we'll uh, we'll catch you all next week and uh we'll we'll uh, bring this thing uh closer to the conclusion 